Do you want to make more Dynasty trades? Sure, we all do. Tune in once a week to the Trade Addicts podcast and see how easy it is to train to be a great Dynasty trader. At Trade Addicts Pod, thousands of men and women have prepared to win championships without sacrificing value. And now, from your phone, car, or computer, you can learn to increase your team's Dynasty value. Many topics such as keep trade buy, make amends, and trade addicts trades will get you ready to make your own trades. So make the important call right now and check out the Trade Addicts podcast. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler. Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome in to the DLF Dynasty podcast. It is episode 547 of the pod, and I have Matt and Ryan here. I'm Dan. Week 15 edition of the pod, Ryan. And if you're a football fan, you probably enjoyed the weekend because there was football on uh, the entirety of the weekend. And we, despite some rough starts to games, we had some fantastic finishes to NFL football games in week 15. Yeah, it's certainly been a great sports weekend. We got the Saturday games. It's always, uh, you know, it's always kind of a sign of uh, the fantasy playoffs, the end of nearing the end of the regular season, nearing the, the holiday season when, when you get those Saturday games. So that was great to see. Um, I have to admit, I have not been watching the World Cup at all, really. I didn't even watch uh, the, the United States games, but I caught the end of the World Cup final Sunday morning before uh, before the NFL games. That was obviously very exciting to watch. And, uh, and then we got some really great uh, American football games as well. Yeah, fantastic finishes. That Raiders finish oh. against the Patriots <laughs> – was just wild. We were talking about it before we hit record, Matt. It seems like that is becoming normal to see the to have it every week almost the first time you've ever seen something happen. Uh, it happened twice this weekend. The Raiders wacky finish, like intercepting a long lateral that should have never happened and returning it for a touchdown to win the game with no clock left. And then the Vikings it, just improbable comeback where. They probably should have come back three other times. Yeah. They had touchdowns taken away that should have been theirs, and you know it was just it was just a crazy weekend of football, man. Yeah, and you have to kind of feel bad a little bit for Matt Ryan. At least I do. Now he has the the, the word allowed oh. the worst comeback at Super Bowl and in the regular season. I'm not sure how much we can actually put on him. I mean, I'm certainly he certainly missed some plays here and there, but the defense has to be held accountable uh, for sure in that kind of ridiculous comeback. So. Um, that's something I like when we think back, you know, 10 years from now, 15 years from now. And I mean, I guess I'll throw it out there to you guys. Do you think Matt Ryan is a hall of famer? First of all, and if not, like, can, are, is this what we're going to remember him for? Or these two, uh, these two <laughs> just, just complete, uh, collapses, I guess. Well, when, when you talk about Frank Reich, the football player, what do yeah. you think of? It's the comeback, right? The, the, yeah. the unbelievable comeback for the bills and, you know, you don't necessarily talk about the quarterback on the other side of, of the ball right, in that game. That's a good right? point. The, the guy That's who lost point. it. So, I don't know. The Super Bowl one, he'll always be remembered for, though. That'll yeah. be what he's – really, truly what we think back – when we think back on his career, what we think of first, which is too bad because he's a great player. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. I know a lot of people are in his corner in, in that uh, – I, th- I think he's just one of those very, very good NFL quarterbacks. All very that good. Just – just just outside being in the Hall of Fame. Um, other than that, you know, between the three of us, I was thinking about this week, uh, thinking about it that we have a lot of shots at titles this year. Matt, how many how many chances he still got at a fantasy a dynasty championship this year? I think I'm looking at uh, at least four and possibly five, depending on how these last two games go. So yeah, and that's uh, after. All- Week 15, yeah. right, is what you're thinking? Correct. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah I'm in the yeah. same boat. I really only had nine dynasty teams this year. I made the playoffs in eight, and I, I think I'm going to make it through in in five of them, five out of the eight. So I feel pretty good about that. Ryan? Yeah, I had to do the quick math. Uh, still alive in, in five out of my uh, ten dynasty leagues. So, yeah, I've got I've got a shot at a couple here. 
Yeah, we're hoping to have a good percentage by the end of the year. We'll keep you updated on how we're how we're doing. We want to hear about how you're doing too. How's your dynasty team handling the uh, their postseason run? Did the did the big injury to Jonathan Taylor cost you? I'd love to see some box scores uh, at DLF podcast of of teams that survived the Jonathan Taylor injury. There were others as well. We kind of got whacked with injuries once again, Matt. The the Taylor one is the one that sticks out to me. Uh, just because I have him on a couple of those teams and you know was hoping to ride him to a title. doesn't look like that's going to happen, though. Yeah, just disappointing, just brutal for for any, anyone who made the, the playoffs with Jonathan Taylor on their squad because it wasn't uh, – I mean, he certainly had his, his blow-up weeks here and there, but it certainly wasn't the dominant season that we uh, kind of expected going in as having him as the consensus 101 in, in most formats. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's designated as an ankle sprain. I haven't seen any details yet. If it's a high ankle sprain, if he's going to miss more than the week, um, you know, hopefully he's back <laughs> at least in championship games that these teams can make it through. But, uh, it's always brutal when it's, when a player goes out early in a game before they've really done anything, especially when it's a one and done scenario in the playoffs. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why the Colts would bring him back. Honestly, at this point, they're, they're not playing point. for anything, uh, unfortunately but i mean on on that same topic matt i saw our uh our former dlf co-worker uh, michael zingoni mentioned this on twitter on sunday morning and in, in uh related to the taylor injury that a modified best ball format is is really his favorite one i i'm pretty sure dan has played in this type of league before but essentially you have your normal dynasty roster 25 or 30 players and each week you pick a certain number of those to serve as your best ball roster so maybe it's uh, maybe it's 15 players that you're selecting as eligible to score that week and then only nine or ten of them whatever your lineups call for actually score and see the field in a uh, or see your lineup in a in a best ball situation. So that that's pretty tempting. You're still making some lineup decisions um, on a weekly basis, but you're benefiting from the best ball format. And situations like this would be uh, certainly not eliminated, but uh, the pain would not be quite as bad. I, I love that, but I mean, as everything, we try to limit commish work, and that seems kind of a commish heavy, unless there's a setting that I'm not sure about. Yeah, there's there's an um, MFL like, yep. setting that makes it pretty easy. Okay, perfect, and that's awesome. Uh, that may be the way I go with the next league that gets created for sure. Yeah, there's a there's a taxi squad option that you can use as well. You can get pretty creative. Maybe we'll talk about that down the road in the off season as an option for commissioners out there because there are too many teams out there that that really got hit hard. If you had the like me, I had the combo of Jonathan Taylor and, and Devonte Adams didn't get hurt, but he put up a ma- massive dud. It, it would have been great to be able to choose that eleventh, twelfth, and thirteenth guy uh, to play in a best ball. Maybe that could have helped me out, but. Enough about our teams. We should talk about everything that happened in Week 15. We got your stash of the week. Uh, That series continues, of course. We're going to hop in the Dynasty DeLorean and see what we can figure out for the future. We got to set the line once again. And then Matt came up with a game for us. But first, we got to hit this button. The Startup. Yeah, you know, last week, guys, we recorded... Pre-Monday Night Football, as we always do. We're actually recording pre-Sunday Night Football this week as well. So we didn't get a chance to to hit on the, the topic of the week, really, in Dynasty. We pushed that off to this week. It's Kyler Murray and that torn ACL that he suffered. Uh, that, that Another injury that happened very early in the game uh, kept people out of Dynasty playoffs. Uh, put some... Some, if you were playing the right guy, playing against Kyler Murray and happened to have a two-point lead going into the into the week, you might have made the playoffs because Kyler went down when, when you didn't even turn the game on because he thought it was a foregone conclusion. Either way, Kyler's lost for the remainder of this year. Recovery could very well go into the 2023 regular season. In fact, most that you talk to and see reactions from that, that we trust, either on Twitter or anywhere else, expect Kyler to to hit the beginning of 2023 on the pup list and miss time. There's so many different ways to look at this. First though, Matt, if you have a, have a dynasty team right now and Kyler Murray 
is your QB one? What's your instant reaction to the injury? Uh, man, if he's my quarterback, then I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm probably a little bit panicky because, uh, if I have him on my squad, I'm probably, probably it was a competing team and I probably was planning on being a competing team next season. And so that's going to be a real problem. I don't have that elite quarterback anymore, uh, for the foreseeable future. So, uh, I don't think you can sell him. I, I think you have just have to hold and try to plug holes with some of these, uh, these guys that, that. Um, you know that are, that we've we've come across that are very cheap lately. The Mike White, although he didn't play today, but you know these kind of quarterbacks like Colt McCoy, these these kind of cheap guys that we can plug and play. Ty, Taylor Heineke, you know all these guys that can come in and kind of contribute a replacement level of points. Um, but certainly, you are not uh, uh, happy about your future uh, at the at that position. Yeah, and if you're, I mean, if you're a contender, as as Dan mentioned. Of course, it stings this year uh, as early as this it's week in this year. playoff matchup, uh, but it's not just this year. You have to factor in um, next season as well. I mean, to be honest, I haven't been happy with, with what I've seen from Kyler Murray, you know, even when healthy this season. I think he's been disappointing. I think he's, I think he's lost dynasty value. Um, so I would certainly be trying to pivot off of him. I think you, you know, you look at ADP, you look at rankings, and you – uh, you know, you start thinking how much, how much do I add to Kyler to get to a guy like, um, like Justin Fields? You know, maybe Lamar Jackson. Uh, he's lost some value as well. Maybe he's a pivot. Tua Tungavaloa could be a pivot. Trevor Lawrence could be a pivot. I think you're going to have to add to Kyler Murray to get any of those guys. But I'm going to be willing to do that. We're talking about uh, really an unknown situation in 2023 for Kyler Murray not just from an injury standpoint, but all around. Well, Kyler's ADP is as low as it's been in quite some time, yeah. really. We, we've seen December ADP hit DynastyLeagueFootball.com just recently, and he's fallen all the way to 74.5. He hasn't been that low since uh, since way back in November of 2019 when he was 90 overall in our ADP. Um, and that most of that, correct me if I'm wrong here, Ryan, most of that data was collected pre-Kyler's injury. Yes. So so dynasty managers had already noticed the fall off in play, the, really the erratic play. I can't tell you how many times watching Kyler, you're disappointed in the third quarter with his fantasy output. And he makes a couple plays late, usually with his legs, sometimes with his arm way down the field. And somehow he gets you the 16, 17 points that lands him in the top 10 or 12 among quarterbacks, and you're satisfied. None of those huge, dynamic, game-changing plays are really happening consistently enough to make him the QB1 on a week, the QB3 on a week, where he can win you a, a matchup that particular week in your dynasty matchup. So it's it's been frustrating to have a team with Kyler as your QB1 already, and now we're staring at a eight-month, ten-month, twelve-month, maybe even more recovery for Murray, and we don't exactly know because he's this athletic quarterback, Matt, how he's going to return. So you know we're not doctors. We, we we try to try to play them on TV or on a podcast, I guess, because we have to talk about this stuff. But recent recoveries have been all over the place for these ACLs. And, and we see these guys come back in six or eight months and we say, wow. But the truth is, there are other other playmakers, other uh, fantasy assets out there that have taken more than a year to get back on the field. And that totally wipes out, potentially, his 2023 season. No, I, I completely agree with you. I, I, I just... I, I find it unless you can get one of these moves like Ryan is talking to, where you're upgrading to one of these other elite players by adding a first or whatever, whatever it, it might be. I just feel like these are players that are going to be on, you know, already very good teams. So are they going to want to make that pivot if it's going to affect their ability to win in 2023? So to me, the move is if you have them, I feel like you got to hold and replace it with something cheap. And if you don't have them, if you know, you know you're not competing in 2023 is to go try to buy him. Uh, for these reduced prices. Uh, if you don't have a trade deadline, maybe that's in, in that team that does have him made it through to the second round of the playoffs, then you can make that move now. If not, then certainly as you get close to the beginning of next season, if the team that does have them is trying to compete in 2023. So what about the rest of these 
playmakers that are down there in Arizona. There are so many factors to think about when it comes to not only Kyler's value, but these other uh, skill position players. James Conner, his contract, I believe he has one year left. Hopkins has the big deal. Hollywood got the big contract as well. Zach Ertz, it has a con- even though he's hurt, he has a contract through next season as well. There, there's the looming or maybe even the impending change uh, at head coach that could be coming down the pike in the offseason. Cliff Kingsbury certainly is on the hot seat there. So there's likely to be changes in the offense. When you think about these these uh, dynasty assets in Connor, Hopkins, Hollywood, Brown, and Ertz, Ryan, how do you feel in general about that group? I mean, it really feels like they're kind of in limbo right now. And, and three of these guys in, in Connor, Ertz, and, and Hopkins – are you know nearing the end of their career i mean they certainly have have some time left but they're they're those aging type of assets that we typically see lose value in the offseason separate of of this situation so with the the kyler injury the questions at quarterback the questions at head coaching staff as you mentioned i think we're going to see connor uh, hopkins and Ertz's value really just bottom out once again this offseason and what I'm most interested in right now with this situation is what they do for for a quarterback. I mean, they they're certainly not going into uh, 2023 or, or going into uh, the the main part of the offseason with Colt McCoy as their week one starter. And you look at the free agents uh, at the quarterback position, and it's a long list. And actually, it it this is kind of good news I think for Arizona because there's a lot of those temporary starter type players baker mayfield darnold jacoby Brissett, and flacco and dalton heineke uh gardner Minshew, even so they're going to have they're going to have some options for that uh that starting position to uh, for the early part of the season also also they they do have the number four overall pick and they once before <laughs> drafted a quarterback after they had already just drafted a quarterback uh very highly uh i mean do you think that that's a possibility no. that at four they if they stay at that that they they take that position no i, I don't i mean uh, yeah the the rosen thing is is there in the history books but <coughs> the contract extension that they gave kyler murray i, I yeah. think makes that uh, a non-starter I mentioned the contracts of those those skill position players. There are outs, according to Spoltrack. Uh, James Conner, he's twenty nine year old running back. They have they have the potential to get out of that contract this off season. DeAndre Hopkins, even he's thirty one. Uh, they could get get out of that contract as well. Really, we have to look at, look at this from a a ten thousand mile lens, really, and it depends what they do in that front office. We saw their GM step away last week as well for, they say, health reasons. We don't know if he's coming back. They could tear this whole thing down, and Kyler Murray could be the only piece that really remains. If that's the case, uh, there could there could be a rebuild in Arizona, and that would affect not only his value, but the value of any player that, that remains in Arizona. I'm with you, Ryan. I don't feel good about my Cardinals right now if I have them on a dynasty roster, and and it's going to be difficult to sell these guys. I think if there is a guy you could you could move this off season, it's probably Hopkins because he has been so good over this eight or nine game stretch since returning from the suspension. But even him, you might have to accept eighty ninety cents on the dollar out there on the trade market. Sleeper stash of the week. Yeah, it's time for the Sleeper Stash of the Week, where we take a look at a player outside the top 200 in Dynasty ADP that you should consider stashing. So, Matt, who's our Sleeper Stash of the Week this week? I went with Justin Ross. Uh, we talked a lot about him in the Debbie community early on as a freshman at Clemson, 6'4", 205, and had just an incredible freshman season there, over 1,000 yards, I believe. Um, was one of the top wide receiver prospects, but then we know the story, injuries all over the place, that really scary back injury. Um, he did overcome that spinal uh, condition and returned in 2021 and then hurt his foot at the end of the season. Um, so he missed his entire rookie season with the Chiefs uh, and uh, was on IR before week one. 
Um, he's kind of interesting, though, just looking at the the Chiefs wide receiver core and, of course, always trying to chase, chase these Patrick Mahomes weapons. Juju, Mikael Hardman, and Justin Watson will all be UFAs after the end of the season, leaving only Marquise Valdez-Scantlin, Kadarius Tony, and Sky Moore under contract. Um, so, you know, if he comes back from this foot injury, if he can regain 80% of what he was before, then uh, I think he's got a shot. Um, he is the wide receiver 105 in December ADP, was not even drafted in half of the mocks uh, with, for a 240 overall ADP. So Justin Ross is the stash of the week. And Justin Ross, Ross as the stash of the week is brought to you by Sleeper Fantasy the fastest-growing fantasy football platform in the world. It's built around a mobile interface, so it's easy to do everything league-related from your mobile phone, no matter how complicated your league or how many leagues you play in. Join millions of players today on Sleeper, the number one fantasy football platform. Let's hop in the Dynasty DeLorean. Where we're going, we don't need ADP. Uh, we don't need ADP where we're going, but we're going to talk a lot about it in this uh, week's edition of the Dynasty DeLorean. I just love that intro. Uh, it gets me fired up every time I hit the button. We're going to talk about some players that are really having breakout years, whether they be rookies or veterans, and flash forward to week one of 2023 to make predictions about where they're going to be and if they're going to be as productive next season as maybe they have been recently or, or really all season this year. Let's start, Ryan, with Geno Smith. Uh, get in the DeLorean, flash forward to week one of 2023, and tell me, is Geno Smith going to be the starting quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks? Yeah, I think he is. Um, and I think this was a question for much of the season. I think this was a question. You think? You think he is? Or did you get in and, and go forward and, and go look to, in September? <laughs> yes, he is. Okay, he is. Um, <laughs> for much of this season, though, this this 2022 season that we're, we're wrapping up, uh, I think this was a question uh, – just due to Geno Smith's history in the NFL. And um, yeah, this really is his breakout season, you know, eight, nine, 10 years into his career. Recently, it, it's become more of a, a question or, or a debate uh, because he's, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. So if he wants to test the test, those waters, I, I don't think he's had quite a good enough season that he would get, uh, get the franchise tag from Seattle, but if he, I think he's going to have a starting job certainly somewhere in the NFL, and uh, I do assume that that will be with Seattle. But um, it's it's just interesting to see the change that uh, that has really taken place with with how we look at Geno Smith is basically just this stopgap uh, option, and now at uh, I believe he's 31 years old. Uh, you know, a legit starting quarterback in the league with uh, potentially two, three, four years left as as a, a contributor. He's been so productive. And, you know, I really do have a hard time seeing Gino wanting to move on from Seattle. Yep. He might use the market to get the most money he possibly can. And by all means, he should do that. He made three and a half million dollars in 2022 and and although most of us will say wow that's a that's a lot of money uh as far as starting quarterbacks go that that's on the bottom of the pay scale so he made himself a lot of money and i would imagine if he has to go somewhere else he would but i would i would think matt he wants to stay in seattle where he had this breakout with the coaching staff and teammates that believe in him uh, Geno Smith is going to be their starter next season, and he's going to get a big pay raise. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why he wouldn't. You know, you would. It's going to be interesting to see how that contract is 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 structured. You know, like you don't want to pay him like one of the top quarterbacks in the game, probably. But you know, that's the going rate for for any any legitimate starting quarterback. It seems like uh, these days. So that's going to be the most interesting part for me. For me, but I do believe it will be Seattle. Like I don't, I don't know what why they would go away from him they've had so much success uh and have basically proved everyone wrong with the russell wilson trade so uh there's no reason to go away from him i don't think do you think we're valuing him correctly in dynasty i, I mentioned he was 31 he's actually 32 now turned 32 during the season 
He's our quarterback 16 in our current ADP. I mean, he's ahead of Derek Carr, who's just only a few months younger, ahead of Mac Jones, Russell Wilson, Daniel Jones, Aaron Rodgers, Jared Goff. That that seems kind of in line with where he should be. It, it's really the names ahead of him that make you think he he's where he should be because you're not taking Geno Smith over Kenny Pickett and his upside at this point. If you're going to take a veteran and Pickett is at quarterback 15, if you're going to take a veteran to go score you points right now that's already in his 30s, you're probably going to take Kirk Cousins, who's the quarterback 14. Trey Lance, Deshaun Watson moving up into the top uh, top 12 quarterbacks. So Geno fits real well right there as far as value. I think there is a maybe a stigma though, Ryan, that dynasty managers think, oh, yeah, he's fine if, if he's my QB3. I'm, I'm, I'm great with that. But I don't, I don't know if I want to go into 2023 as, with Geno Smith as my QB2 in a super flex league. And I think we're wrong about that because he's been a QB1 all season long, really. Yeah, I mean, I think we're probably wrong about that as well. But, I mean, honestly, I would say the same thing about Kirk Cousins. I would say the same thing about... Derek Carr, because now, you know, as you move into the into the offseason, I mean, right or wrong, it just becomes a a matter of upside. And you want those players on your team that that have the most upside. And even though he's I mean, he scored like it. He's the quarterback seven on the season. He has nine QB one games. We still don't necessarily think of Geno Smith as a player with uh, at least with long term upside. And you're right. Maybe we should. He's got two. Uh, two great wide receivers, has a, uh, a solid running game, a coach that is uh, locked in and, and, you know, dedicated to him. But the way the way you put it, I mean, comparing him to Pickett and Cousins, it feels like we're valuing him about at a ceiling. Like he can't go much higher, at least in our quarterback rankings. Well, it's it's tough because, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have him at quarterback 14, but I think it's right in that range. You could say 14 to – 18 14 to 20 whatever it is but it's hard to push him up that much higher just above him at 13 i have trey lance then you get into deshaun watson and kyler murray and trevor lawrence and dak prescott and it's really hard to see pushing him ahead of those more established guys but he's certainly producing like them so i think really maybe it's just that these top seven guys if you want to stop at burrow eight or nine if you want to include Tua and, and dak but you know just after that 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 top tier or two like it's just a whole big mess all the way down into the quarterback two range. So uh, I certainly think he's at the top of that list, um, but it's hard to see him going higher. Let's take the DeLorean down to Tampa Bay and take a look into their backfield. Will Rashad White, Matt, be the starting running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week one of 2023? He is. He's the starting quarterback in week one of 2023. He is still in a committee with Leonard Fournette, but... Rashad White has the pass-catching role, uh, and he's somebody that we're excited to start, I think, on a weekly basis as a high-end running back, too. What's nice right now is his ADP reflects a starter, a guy that we want on our team and want in our lineups, but it's not overly costly, Ryan. His ADP is RB19 and 57 overall, so... An RB2 for your dynasty roster, and that's really where you feel comfortable playing him at this point. He, like Matt mentioned, he has been in a timeshare with Leonard Fournette, but I think he's getting slightly more work than than uh, the veteran there, and he does have that pass-catching role. Over the last four weeks, he has nine catches, six catches, five grabs in week 14, just one against the Bengals here in week 15. But he 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 has a role, and he looks like the more dynamic option in that backfield. I think that carries into 2023. Yeah, I think it does as well. Um, and, and, you know, really what could obviously impact his upside and, and his his fantasy value is what they do with Leonard Fournette. Fournette is signed for two more years. Uh, we talked about the the Cardinals. This Buccaneers team is another one that could undergo some major changes, obviously starting with Tom Brady uh, and how that impacts Fournette, the pass catchers, and, and the offense as a whole. Uh, the only thing I would disagree with you on, Dan, is, is White's current value. RB 19, 57 overall. You look at some of the other players 
being drafted in that range. Javante Williams is one spot ahead of him. Uh, some of those veteran receivers, Mike Evans, Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins, all below him. Uh, those quarterbacks that we we like, Joe Burrow, Justin Fields, are both below him. I think he's I think he's overvalued right now based on what we've seen, and honestly, thinking about what that Buccaneers team might look like next year, uh, I'm a little worried not for White, but uh, how it will impact Rashad White. If I could trade him for really any of those names I mentioned, I would do that. You would move White for J.K. Dobbins or Aaron Jones, those type of guys? Uh, yeah, probably. I think so. Um, yeah, those those guys, I didn't mention those names, but they're below him as well. Um, yeah, I just really, I just see more upside with, uh, and, or, I guess, a combination of safety and upside with those players. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm kind of on the, it's rare, but we're on the opposite side of the fence on this one. I, I'm going to take the younger guy. Uh, that has a little bit more upside. I feel like he has a little bit more upside, even with the questions in Tampa Bay. Let's talk about another uh, running back, rookie running back, that is. Let's jump over to Kansas City, Ryan. Will Isaiah Pacheco be the starting running back for the Chiefs in Week 1, 2023? I'm going to say yes. Uh, I, think, I think they have a, mm. they have a lot of options here. Uh, not speci- not currently on their roster, but um, certainly are going to have chances to fill that role. Uh, I mean, Clyde Edwards-Alaire will be back. I don't think he's taking that job, but he is still cheap enough that uh, I expect him to be on the roster. Uh, Jarek McKinnon has played well certainly the past couple weeks and, and really all season. He, he will be an unrestricted free agent. I, I think they just look at Pacheco and feel like he's – He's getting the job done. He's certainly cheap as an undrafted guy. So I think they add to that backfield. Uh, but I, I think Pacheco will be the week one starter. Yeah, I do too. Unless they, I mean, we talked about it a little bit last week. I don't think they're necessarily going to spend a high pick on, on a running back. Maybe they do at the end of round two, though, and that calls it into question. He just, to me, he feels like a guy who um, is always going to be looking at, over his shoulder a yeah. little bit. He doesn't. He just doesn't have the upside. He averaged basically just over a catch per game in college. He has, I believe, eight total receptions so far this season. He's not going to be uh, somebody we want to start in, 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 you know, assuming we're not playing in standard leagues. Uh, he gets kind of those empty calorie touches. Uh, we've seen Jarek McKinnon get all of the high-value touches, whether it's in receptions or near the goal line. Uh, and he's just a, he's just kind of a meh player on a very exciting offense. So unless he gets – they start getting a ton of goal line uh, uh, opportunities for him, and he puts up, you know, double-digit touchdown kind of season. He's just not somebody I think who is going to um, really produce like we would want him to on that kind of offense. He probably has the potential in this offense to be a double-digit touchdown kind of running back. All on the ground, of course. But I really don't see the Chiefs using him in that in that way. They they really don't like to use that goal line halfback. They want the ball yeah. in Mahomes' hands. They'd rather run yeah. the the quick pitch and the shovel and all that kind of stuff rather than turn around and hand it to a running back, which which leads to the empty calories. Like you mentioned that there, Matt. You put it perfectly a week ago. I think it was when you said he's he's a lot like Brian Robinson. I think is what you what you said. If, if, and if you're excited by like eight to ten points a game, then like he's your guy, right? Yeah, Pacheco running back twenty four in Dynasty ADP in December. Brian Robinson right behind him at RB twenty five. I I actually don't think Pacheco's the most valuable running back on the team uh, in in September. I think they will go out there and try to get another runner, and we'll all be worried about Pacheco. Uh, who, like I said, RB24, CEH all the way down there at RB40, and McKinnon, or maybe we should call him McWinnon, because he's going to win people fantasy titles this this year. Uh, he was great this week once again. Could, could we just, like, we just talked about Rashad White. Could we just move move Lenny over to Kansas City, and then we're Ooh. happy about that running back situation, and we're happy about the Tampa Bay running back situation? Let's just yeah, move Rashad White to bad. Kansas City. 
Yeah, okay. Now we're, we now we're cooking with gas. I don't think they're going to want to do that, but yeah, I'm in on that. <laughs> so McKinnon has scored 30-plus fantasy points in two straight weeks in the fantasy playoffs. Oh, my goodness. He gets Seattle next week, Denver the Running week after that. Ball, right? That's a tough matchup. So, wow, it's uh, he's piling them up for sure. Last guy we need to talk about here. Uh, back to you to start, Matt. Will Tyler Algier be the starting running back for the Atlanta Falcons in September of 2023? I, I kind of think so. I mean, he's certainly not exciting, but he has been very efficient for a team that wants to run the ball, a team that has Arthur Smith, who came from having Derrick Henry. He seems like the kind of player that will be successful in this offense we, if we can get the passing game going around them to me Desmond Ritter was pretty disappointing today so I'm not sure he's the answer there um, and they have so many other holes to fill on that team um, that I think he can do the job uh, maybe they add another guy to, to compliment him uh, as a pass catcher um, but he to me he seems like someone that's going to be uh, productive for land on a very cheap contract uh, and will be usable while they fill holes elsewhere on the team. I agree, and that's really what kind of pushed me to that line of thinking is they have so many other needs, starting at quarterback, but really all over that roster um, outside of a couple of pass catchers that we like. Um, Corderell Patterson has been a solid player certainly the past couple of years. He'll be 32 by the time next season starts. So even, uh, even if it's still a committee, I think Tyler Algier will be the, the bigger part of that. Um, from a from a usage standpoint, I really like the way he's he's looked in recent weeks. He's yeah. running with a little bit more power, has a little bit more burst at the line of scrimmage, and although he's not a big part of that that passing game, he looks like he can he can be that checkdown option at least if he, if they needed him to be that, and that translates into fantasy points. I I wrote the rookie report card about him a couple of months back, and I kind of concluded that that he wasn't a guy that I was going to be targeting on my dynasty rosters. I hadn't hadn't targeted him in rookie draft season and I, I didn't regret it. And now I kind of do. It, it really does feel like he's a guy that Arthur Smith would be fine giving the ball to 15 times a game. And uh, certainly he trusts him around the goal line for those high leverage touches where he could potentially uh, turn a average ga- fantasy game into a real big one. So I'm with you guys seems to look like uh, they might have find, found something in the fifth round when they picked up Tyler Algier. It's time to set the line. Well, between the three of us last week, we went six and one, I th- or five and one, sorry. Uh, did pretty good. We had, we had one loser in there, though, Matt. I wonder who that is. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was me. I'm the only loss this week, so... Um, I, I feel about this game as I as you did. I don't know about eight weeks ago, Dan. So <laughs> we flip flopped. Yeah, I'm I'm on a lucky streak here. Uh, things have been going my way. I guess uh, we'll see if I can keep it up. All right. So uh, this week, I've got. Uh, I think we may have used this one before, um, but sort of running out of things. So this week we had three overtime games before Sunday night football. There have been 16 total this season through 15 weeks with two games left to play. Uh, Just a little bit over one per week. I'm going to set the line at 0.5 for week 16. Will there be an overtime game or not in week 16? I'll say over. Yeah, I was going to just jump right in and say over as well. It feels like – even if we don't get the overtime game, we get so many close games. In fact, if you watch Red Zone every Sunday like the three of us typically do, it, it's shocking, really, that there aren't any blowouts at halftime, minus the, the Colts and the Vikings, of course, and even that one had uh, overtime written all over it for a time there. Uh, but late in those games on Sunday and even the at late afternoon games on Sunday, all of them were close. And and really, we should have seen overtime in, in more games than we did. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll take the over as well. Ryan, you want to go second? I will be because mine is kind of in the same neighborhood as Matt's and it's focused on those close games. Uh, the line is going to be nine and a half one score games next week. Uh, look at what we what we've had this week. Um, again, a couple games still to play, but we've already had 10 games 
qualifying as one-score games, of course, eight points or fewer. Uh, a couple weeks ago, actually three weeks ago, that was the pr- uh, the last week that we had a full slate of games with no buys. There were 11 one-score games that week. Uh, and then the average over the past month has been nine. And again, we may, uh, may, may add to that with these last two games of the week. So nine and a half one-score games uh, in week 16. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to jump on the over on that one as well for the same reasons that I said before. I feel like I have to game theory at this point, even though I do think that we'll be over that. I'm going to say under and just see if I can pick up a game. All right, I'm last. I'll do the only traditional one this week. I had one set up for, uh, I wanted to talk about Juwan Johnson because he was so good on Sunday against Atlanta, caught four passes for 67 yards and two touchdowns, but I couldn't. I didn't feel great about the line. I do want to mention him, though, real quickly. He missed the game because of that ankle injury right before the bye and, and really missed most of the game before that where he scored zero fantasy points. And, and he kind of soured for a lot of fantasy players out there. In fact, I play in a couple of redraft leagues, and I saw him on the waiver wire in the last couple of weeks. In those, They're not that deep. But in dynasty leagues, I looked through mine, and many owners weren't weren't starting him this week. And it, it was really a missed opportunity. Um Four for 67 and two, scored 22.7 PPR fantasy points this week. Um, He's averaged 12.51 fantasy points per game over the last seven games. And one of those games was that zero, where he only got the two targets and had the early injury. He's been a tight end one regularly for fantasy managers, and I think we're overlooking him. I didn't do my my pick on him, though, because I did want to talk about Jarek McKinnon just a little bit more. He's been so good. And I mentioned, I think he's going to win people titles and I think it's going to carry on to next week. Last week against the Broncos, he scored 32.4 PPR fantasy points. This week he had 32.2 fantasy points. So averaging just over 32 fantasy points per game, caught eight balls and seven balls in the last two, two weeks respectively, and has three receiving touchdowns and also scored on the ground. Uh, against the Texans in week 15. So he's gets Seattle next week. And guys, if you've watched Seattle recently, you know that they struggle against the run. They struggle, struggle at giving up fantasy points to running backs. In fact, they're 31st in the league. They give up the second most points in the league to the position. And, uh, and I, I just don't think it's going to stop next week. So let's set the line at 20 and a half fantasy points for Jarek McKinnon next week. Is he going to go over or under? I'll give you the honors, Matt. <laughs> um, man, I mean, it, just talking it out, if, 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 Isaiah Pacheco is going to have a big game. He would have done it this week against the Texans. We've seen the Texans be a run sieve. Uh, we, we've also, of course, seen Seattle do that. Um, I feel like Seattle is probably better than Houston, and Jet did it against uh, Jet did it against Houston, not Pacheco. So I'm going to go the same way. I'm going to say over. Uh, did you say 20.5? 20. 20.5. 20.5. I'm going to take the over. Uh, just for game theory and, and, uh, to avoid chasing points, I'll go under on this one. Uh, I mean, these, that's a big number. It's a big number. These two, uh, the past two weeks have been the only time this season that, uh, Jarek McKinnon has, has crossed that 20 point threshold. And, um, and you know, it's uh, unfortunately for him hasn't happened much in his career outside of those past two weeks. So yeah, I'll, I'll go under on this one. Hey guys, let's play a game. And Matt, you're our resident game theorist. You come up with all the games. Of course, you have a podcast dedicated to it. So what are we doing this week? We're going to play a game that I think you guys have both played before, but correct me if I'm wrong. This is a game called Apex Predator. This is a game where we name, uh, basically name the, the, the positional, the first player, the best player at the position from every week from a production standpoint. Um, so your name, you're looking for quarterback ones, wide receiver ones, tight end ones, running back ones through week 15 of the, of the 2022 NFL season. Uh, so we're going to do this as you miss one and you're out 
uh, kind of thing. And we're going to do it for each position. And I have a tiebreaker if uh, you guys each take one game. So, uh, Dan, you were the, the Tournament of Champions winner this year. The only one to win the Tournament of Champions other than, than myself. So uh, we're going to start with you on this and let you pick the position uh, that you'd like to start with. And, again, you're just basically naming players that you think at that position has finished as the overall uh, best player in terms of production. Um, for, for, for one week. For one week. You can name it, it. Can be there's obviously 15 of those that we have. At least you know we're we're, we're going to pretend like the last two games uh, just aren't going to happen, and that we assume we already have the the top player for week 15. So it goes all the way through week 15. Okay, and we are assuming PPR in this, Matt. We are PPR, uh, PPR, and then normal settings for everything else. Okay, uh, I'm going to start off at quarterback. All right, let's hear it. Um, I'll take Josh Allen. Josh Allen was the quarterback one in week five, 12, and week 15. Uh, and also his week 15 performance, I believe, is the highest quarterback performance of the season of 46.9 fantasy points. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. If, if, if they had multiple weeks, how does that count? Okay, um, I will take Justin Fields. Oh, and I wanted to give you guys one more piece of information. There have been nine total quarterback ones. Uh, through the 15 weeks. Okay. So that okay. there are multiple, multiple players that have done it more, more than once, obviously. Just, sorry, Justin Fields, quarterback one in weeks nine and ten. Uh, I will take Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, the quarterback one overall in week 13. Mm, that's it. Um, Patrick Mahomes. Well, I thought I was going to wipe out five. the field there. <laughs> a bunch of other top finishes, but uh, yeah, not not number one overall. Patrick Mahomes did it in week one, and that's it so far. Holy cow! Ooh. I'm intimidated. Um, I'll and take if Joe. If I have it wrong, feel free to tell me. Joe Burrow. Well, we Joe don't Burrow have the scoring is, in front of us. Well, I mean, you know, people that are listening are probably like, ah, oh, he did it more weeks. Whatever. Feel free to <laughs> yell at me. Uh, okay. This is based on what I have. Quarterback one, Joe Burrow. He was the quarterback one in weeks six, seven, and 11. Wow. I was nervous about that one. There are four names left. Um, I'm nervous about this one. 14, 8, 2, 3, and 4. I'm going, I'm going way back to the beginning of the season. Lamar Jackson. He is the quarterback one in weeks two and three. And not much since then. Four, eight, and fourteen. Um, I think I know four, the eight, week fourteen. Oh wait, QB four, eight. One. Those are the weeks four, eight, and fourteen. Yeah. Okay. The weeks that are good info. Are four, Thanks, eight, Dan. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, I think the week fourteen QB one was Kirk Cousins. That is incorrect at least according to fantasypros.com it was trevor lawrence well thanks it, well, do i win you do well you need to answer <laughs> you just gave sorry, us one you need to answer one of the other ones i gave you that one that one is not correct um you get to pick from one of the other two otherwise we keep going okay um so 14 was launched so four or eight uh, oh, I know who it should have been. I'm gonna go with um, I'm gonna go with Tua for the win. Tua in week oh. eight. Dan, did you know week four? No, that was the one I I should have picked. Um, it was Tua that that I was thinking. It was. I, I don't know oh. if I had to guess one more. I'd probably say Goff or Geno Smith. Jared Goff was correct mm. for week four, but uh, Ryan took Too late. that one. I would not have gotten Goff. Ryan's got one game. You want, what position you want next, Ryan? Let's just go down the line. We'll do running back. Running backs. There are there have been 13 running back ones through the first 15 weeks of the season. Give me the first one. Um, Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler is correct. He was the running back one in week four, tied as the running back one in week five, and also the running back one in week seven. Okay. I will take Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley was the running back one overall in week one. Ooh. <laughs> Thought I was going to take out a few of them that time again. <laughs> um, yeah, this is harder. 
Oh, Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey is correct. He was the running back one in week 13. Uh, I got to take the easy one. Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs was the running back one in week 12, and it was the highest score of the season by a running back with 48.3 fantasy points. Um, I will go with, uh, I'll go with Jarek McKinnon. <laughs> that is correct. Oh. In week 14 and 15, Jarek McKinnon was the running back one. Good one. How did I not get that <laughs> one? Uh, <laughs> should have said that one first. I guess I will, uh, I know Tony Pollard finished the no. week as the RB1. That was my next guess. Tony Pollard was the running back one in week 11. Yeah. Right? Yep. That was my next one. Um, I'm, you got seven left. Seven on the oh board. Oh, my gosh. Seven. Uh, I'll say Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb in week two. Um, Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon in week nine. <laughs> I'm I'm stumped. Um, hmm. There were only two running backs that did it in more than one week this year so far. So uh, the rest of them are are one timers. I don't think that he did it, but I'll say Jonathan Taylor. He did do it in week ten. Oh, Dan, I'm running out of names. Yeah, I was out of names. Week six, week three, and week five. Um, three, five, six, eight. Derrick Henry. Oh, that is incorrect, Ryan. You got to hit this one to win to take the game. I was jealous of the Henry guess. That's that sounded like it, like the right answer. <laughs> um, I know he had, he had a couple big finishes. It must have lined up with the Tony Pollard one or somebody else. Yeah. I don't know if he got to one, but he's had some good weeks. I'll say Miles Sanders. He did not get to uh, get to one. All right, so nobody wins that game. Uh, just to keep things moving along, I'll tell I thought you, I won that. Alvin one. Kamara. You, get, no. you had to answer us. I went. Oh wait, you I went, went first, first this time. Yeah, I went first. You're right. You one. did. You went. It. Hey, you was my time. other guess was Ramondre? Was he one? Nope. No. Nope. <sighs> Alvin Kamara in week eight. Wow, that's embarrassing. Dion Jackson that. in week six. Of course. And Khalil Herbert in week three. Oh, oh I and never Leonard Fournette. That. Leonard Fournette tied Austin Eckler with thirty five point nine fantasy points for the running back one overall in week five. Well, that was ridiculous. <laughs> All right. Well, Ryan's got two games, Dan. You gotta I assume we're going to wide receiver. You gotta you gotta get this one. All right. We'll start. Okay, let's do it. Uh, we'll start uh we'll st- we'll let you go first. Dan, you're talking to me. Yep. I'll take Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson four times weeks, one, wow. four, 12 and 14. Um, Oh, nine wide receiver ones through week, 15 weeks. So several multiple Jamar chase, Jamar chase in week six and seven. Zay Jones, Zay Jones in week 15. <laughs> <laughs> How's that taste, McDowell? I never thought you'd, you'd say that. At least I didn't. Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams in weeks 9, 11, and 13. Whoa. And that's all of the multiple week guys. Okay. That that really knocks it out. Um, Christian Watson. That is incorrect, Daniel. What? <laughs> he didn't get to one. Yeah, he was the wide receiver one the week he... Uh, I guess not. not. Uh, you go find it and tell me I'm wrong and we'll give you this game. But I, I, I did not see it on there. No, I, will, I don't need to do that. <laughs> I should have said the other name. Ryan, you got, got one more for the win? Um, I'll play it safe because I know last week was Jerry Judy. Yeah. Or at least I think it was. Uh, no, last week was Justin Jefferson, week fourteen. I thought I thought oh. I thought they were tied last week. But so do we get to keep I'm going? Right. 
Do you want to keep going? We can. Yeah, well, I got to win this. I'm gonna double check that one. I'm gonna <laughs> double check that one for Ryan, but you can keep guessing, Dan. I'll take CD Lamb with his big week. CD Lamb, CD Lamb did it in week ten. I'll take Stefan Diggs. Oh, good one. Stefan Diggs in week two. Week two. Um, AJ Brown. Hmm. That was my next. You're right. Uh, you're right. Jerry Duty did tie with Jefferson Jefferson in week in week fourteen. They both had thirty three point three PPR points. Um, so that means that means Ryan wins, I think. But you can keep going if you want. We can keep going. He said AJ Brown. I took AJ Brown. AJ Brown in week eight. Two left. Ooh. Um, weeks three and five. It was a while ago. I think I got one of them, McDowell. Go for it. I've already won, so run it, run it out here. I don't I have Devontae names. Smith. <laughs> Devontae, Devontae Smith, Smith had the one week, big five, game. week three. He did in week three. Devontae Smith. Wow. Another wide receiver. You know, a player that an NFL wide receiver too uh, did it in week five. Um, Tyler Lockett. It lines up with uh, his quarterback, who also was it, the quarterback one. It's in week Gabe five. Davis, I bet. It is Gabriel Davis. All right, we're. Uh, it looks like we're about out of time, and McDowell took them, took them all. So uh, we we can do tight end if you want to, but we can also save it for another time. Let's do it. Yeah, I got I got wiped the. Uh, I got wiped. I got. I got the mat wiped with my uh, forehead here on this one. I got to try to get, I got to try to get one, something though. So let's do tight end quick. <laughs> okay. All right. There's 12. It's <laughs> all the, I got, through, man. Through 15 weeks. There's, there's tw- been 12 tight ends through, through week 15. Dan, we'll start with you again. Uh, I'll take Kelsey. <laughs> <laughs> Kelsey, um, surprisingly only has only done it twice weeks one and 11, but he's been top oh. three, like, you know, basically every other week. I'll take Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews did it twice in weeks two and three. George Kittle. George Kittle twice in weeks seven and 15. Uh, Cole Komet. Cole Komet once in week 10. Good one. Holy cow. Um, I guess... There's... Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I'm worried. <laughs> I've got a name. Uh, you better come up with one. Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz in week twelve. Thank you. Evan Ingram last week. Oh, son of 14, a buck! Thirty-nine point two fantasy points, the second highest total of the season for a tight end. All right. Uh, yeah, you had one. I'll go with Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill uh, did do it in week five. That's my one I was saving. I thought I thought I had had you on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I don't know if he's ever been the one, or if he's been the one this season. But I'll say Hawkinson. He was in week four. He was the, the posted the best tight end score of the season with thirty nine point nine points back when he was still with Detroit against. I can't even remember who it was in Seattle. Maybe I think it was Seattle. I think it was Seattle. Hmm. Dan, you got uh, one, two, three, four names left. Weeks f- six, eight, nine, and thirteen. Yeah, I got the numbers. I'll There's take only a shot one easy. With Dallas Goddard. That is correct. That was the last easy one. Week nine. Yeah, that was my last name. Um, You're out. Uh, I'm trying to think of a name to say. David Njoku. Incorrect. Well, Dan, Dan got the tight ends. Dan's a tight end expert. <laughs> Dan, you got any more names you want Is to throw? Is that all I can, we wrap it all up? All I can uh I, No, I, I don't uh I'll guess Juwan Johnson just because I know he's had some games. I wish he was, but he was not. Mike Kosecki did it in week six before Gross. he decided to not catch a single pass for like three weeks in a row. Tyler Conklin did it in week eight, and Kate oh. Houghton did it in week thirteen. Uh, we had no chance, McDowell, to get those three. Hey <laughs> Uh, I give you credit uh, on the Cole Komet one because I wouldn't. I don't think I would have come up with that. I had, I had to guess to get Goddard, so at least I salvaged something out of this and and got one victory. Uh, semifinal week next week, guys. Anything to add? Anything to tell our loyal listeners? 
Uh, if there's no trade deadline, keep attacking if you're competing. And if you're not competing, uh, attack even more because you got you got a trade deadline. Send those pieces like Jet McKinnon to a competing team. Get something out of them. I tried to do that last week, uh, and nobody bought. So maybe I'll get a bite this week. Uh, it's semifinal week. It's also Christmas. So I'll say Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. <laughs> enjoy that and and go uh, go win some fantasy games too. Yeah, and enjoy the football. And I was serious. Add DLF football. Tell us about how your dynasty teams are doing. Maybe we'll talk about it on the show next week. We want to we want to hear about those DLF uh, inspired or, or any anything that our podcast helped out when you won a fantasy league. We want to hear about it this year. Uh, and we'll give you a shout out on the pod. And we'll, we'll retweet. Um, send them our way at DLF podcast. For Ryan and Matt, I am Dan. Thanks for listening to the DLF Dynasty podcast. Merry Christmas. And we'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.